the book of Acts 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 32, to the book of Acts 5, verse 11. One of the strangest and most terrifying stories in the New Testament. What can we make of it? Well, let me read the first few verses. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There wasn't a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now the first thing to notice about this uh, passage in the book of Acts is that Luke is telling a very artful story. He he begins with a general idea and then he applies the general to a specific. So he goes from the many or the multitude or the, the, the believers, the apostles, and then to one in particular. And the story forms a triangle upside down, the many to the one. And then it forms a triangle the right way up, if you like that idea, in the next chapter. So, but a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your hearts? You haven't lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. The young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young, man came, young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. And then just to finish the point, I suppose, Verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. So, do you see that the triangle begins with the story of a man and his wife and then goes
goes to uh, a great fear came upon the whole church and all who heard of these things. So if we put the upside down triangle on top of the normally shaped triangle, we'll find that we go from the general to this to the person, the one person, Barnabas, and then we go from Ananias and Sapphira, the one or the two people, to the general, which is the church. And do you notice that what connects the two triangles is the word but? Now, being an ex-English teacher, of course, I really love uh, language and how stories are put together. And the word but so often denotes something that we, uh, denotes a big change, something that we need to take notice of. So what we have here is a story like an hourglass. I call it a story, but obviously it's a story of the day and it's history. Uh, it's written by uh, someone who knew eyewitnesses and who were able to recount the details of the story. Um, but I'm calling it a story because it's a, it's a narrative. It's a story like an hourglass. And right in the middle of the hourglass is the word but. So... That means the first part of the story is good and the second part of the story is not so good. There's an opposition, a contrast between the, the beginning of the story and the second part of the story. Well, we've got that, haven't we? So let me not uh, go on about that too much more. Let's look at the general in verse 32. We see that people, the full number, Everybody were of one heart and soul. Now, you'll remember that in chapter 2, verse 42, we read that the believers devoted themselves. And they devoted themselves to being together, doing things together, being of one accord. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't devote themselves to all kinds of teaching. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. That means coming together to share meals and in particular to share that remembrance about Jesus' body and blood until he comes again. And then they devoted themselves to communion, uh, sorry, to, um, to prayer, which meant that publicly they went together to pray. They prayed as, as one person of one accord, and that they devoted themselves to fellowship. And fellowship, not having a cup of tea together, fellowship being like the fellowship of the ring in the Lord of the Rings, being devoted to one purpose. So they had everything in common. They were of one heart and soul. And this in particular was spelled out in the way they regarded their property. So when the Holy Spirit brought people to Christ, they stopped looking at themselves as just their own. And they stopped looking at their possessions as just belonging to them for their own unique blessing. And they sold stuff and they shared it out. They shared out the profits or they shared out the money that they made from their, their sales so that people didn't go without. They looked after one another. And there was great power in this. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them. So the apostles, seeing the change that the Holy Spirit wrought, were able, were freed in their spirits, were freed in their words to be able to talk about Christ. In particular, his resurrection. And we know, of course, that that really upset the Sadducees because they didn't believe in a resurrection. But the apostles were able to say, that which we have seen, that which we have beheld, that which we've touched with our eyes, that which we have heard, this is what we proclaim. I wonder how many preachers and teachers are held back because they don't see this work of grace among Christians. That is a very strong question to ask. And, you know, whenever a question's asked, the, the one who asks the question has to also to turn that on himself. And I turn that on myself. Is there grace? This grace to be able to share, this grace to be able to serve one another, this grace to be able to, um, to, 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 be able to regard what's mine as yours. This is the grace that was being shed out. Grace, remember, being very connected to the Holy Spirit himself. And it happens again and again and again. And of course, um, it's a bit like uh, when a disaster happens and people come out with their goods, bottles of water and food and so on, and, and they, they bring it out to help people but they don't really know where to place it so they of course they put it at the apostles feet because they trust the apostles the apostles are not living as lords over the the church they're not they're not going around and, and sort of enriching themselves and this this story in christianity is really against Christianity, the the idea that that the priests and the apostles and the 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 heads of the church, you know, lived in large houses and 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 demanded, you know, abbeys and monasteries and land and all of these things. This is absolute nonsense in uh, in in the in the gospel and in the book of Acts because the opposite was happening. The apostles became uh, stu uh, stewards of the gifts that the people gave. The people gave out of grace and the apostles were given grace to be able to distribute among those who needed what they needed. Do you see then that it's no surprise that Luke picks up on the story of one person and of course this one person becomes a feature in the later book of Acts because Joseph called Barnabas or the son of encouragement, he a Levite from the priestly class. Remember that, because the priests are often the enemies of the church. Joseph, from the priestly clan of Levi, sells property. That's interesting because the Levites didn't in inherit property in, uh, in the Old Testament. But let's leave that aside. 
in a way he was he was reverting back to how God had planned for the priestly clan to be dependent on him living by faith not knowing what they were going to eat the next day perhaps or being looked after by the fellowship of faith anyway he he took what was his and he sold it and gave the money to the church by laying it at the apostles feet and by the way do you trust the people who are stewarding the 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 funds of the church are you thinking oh i'm not going to i'm not going to give to the church because i don't i don't trust their evan- evangelistic program or i don't trust this or i don't trust that there's great trust in the holy spirit church of the book of acts deservedly so of course how much then is this echoed but or mirrored in the next part and then we have this story of ananias and sapphira so the text begins with but but is the first word of acts chapter 5 verse 1 and of course, all your English teachers will tell you you can't start a sentence with but, but you can. And here it is. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. So far, so good. Just like Barnabas, just like Ananias and Sapphira. And then, with their collusion, they decide something which is going to spell the end for them. And this collusion is that they'll keep back some of the money. Now, it's very easy for the, for the preacher on TV who just wants money. It's very easy for that preacher to say, well, Ananias and Sapphira, they held things back from God and God destroyed them. But that's not true. That's not, that's not what this story is about. I'd like you to remember that. It's not a pretext for the church to demand all your money and property. And and secondly, Ananias and Sapphira, they weren't compelled to give. They didn't have to. Now that's important as well. What your brother or your sister does with their property is actually not your business. It, it It's Jesus' business. It's the Holy Spirit's business. It's not your business. Just because Barnabas gave his the the proceeds from his land in um, in uh, looking at you know in looking after those who were in need, didn't mean he could then point the finger and say, "Oh well, Ananias and Sapphira better give the proceeds of their land to the needy as well." No, so it doesn't become a pretext for judgment either. No, there's something else, isn't there? It's a lie. It's a lie to the Holy Spirit. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it, that as Christians, we are so eager to gain the good regard of others or or to be well thought of. Or to seem. This is such a temptation that it leads Ananias and Sapphira 
in their, in their wanting to seem, to come to Peter. And we can almost imagine Ananias sort of, and we don't know how it went, but we can almost imagine him coming to Peter and, and sort of saying, oh, don't, don't say anything to anyone, but here's the proceeds of our land sale. Or, or maybe he said, I know that everyone would be keen to hear this, but the point is that he lies. Do you know, that lie kills him, doesn't it? Peter, seeing right through what he's doing, says, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit, keeping back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? And then this is important. After it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? You've not lied to man, but to God. You've contrived this in your heart. And then Sapphira, having the opportunity to put things right, could have said, well, actually, but she doesn't. She, having contrived with Ananias, also perpetuates the lie. And their story is the story of a story. Their story is the story of a lie. A lie told, yes, to Peter. But more than that, to the Holy Spirit of God himself. And this should give us pause, shouldn't it? Not what are we holding back of what's ours, and nothing is ours, of course, all belongs to God. Not what are we holding back, what what can't we give away, what 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 are we what are we doing for for our brothers and sisters around us are we are we moved by love and compelled by compassion to to help those in need that that's a thing in itself but to peter and the apostles i don't think that that would be the end of the story if you find it hard to give and you find it hard to be loving to, to to act in a loving way towards others God can work on that but truth has to be at the center of our relationship with Christ isn't it that our first act of belief is to come to Jesus and to say I know that I'm not right I know that my life is not good I know that I have done things deliberately against people and against your word isn't our first act of repentance an act of honesty, of truth? Remember that when the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts. In other words, he, he, the spirit of truth, works truth into our hearts and works truth into our minds. So that our relationship with God in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can be truthful. Now, I find that people struggle with the truth. They struggle to be told the truth, that's for certain. Maybe I don't like it so much myself. To be found wanting is, is not a comfortable thing, is it, for any of us? But that is the thing that will set us free, as Jesus said. 
You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And Ananias and Sapphira had decided that lies would set them free. And they, of course, that can't work. False religion, hypocritical religion, all of those things, they mean nothing. And in God's eyes, they're quite abominable. Later on in the book of Revelation, the letter that Jesus sends to his churches. He says, you have this reputation of being alive, but you're dead. The truth is not really not in you. And in the end, Ananias and Sapphira die of a lie. Not because they hold back money, but because they hold back the truth. Had they said to Peter, we are worried that if we give everything to the church, we won't have anything left for ourselves, we'll starve. That was something that God could work with. But no. And so the challenge to you and to me is to be really truthful in our relationship to our Heavenly Father, who after all sent Jesus that we might be set free from sin and from the lies and from the pretense. Well, I'll leave that thought with you and just wrap it up. Once again, the story goes to the general and the general is this, that in the church there was great fear. Now, like all things that God works in any situation, it's for the benefit of his church, for the glory of his name. And a church that has no fear in it is unlikely to glorify God. Is unlikely to seek him in times of trouble. Is unlikely to be united in heart and soul. So the wonderful thing is that this bad, sad, miserable story turns to the glory of God in the fear and the terror that falls on the church. Now, how can this be? How can being afraid be a good thing? Well, some fear is positive, isn't it? As I've often said, go and, go and lie next to the lion, even if it's in a cage or behind bars. You'll still feel the terror. And that's just a lion. God created the lion. And sometimes it's good for us to know that as we... As we go to sleep at night as we wake up in the morning we wake up in the presence of one who is so mighty and so magnificent in power the lord of hosts is his name and it's healthy for us to live with a kind of fear of this god who loved us but sent his son to die for us so that we might be set free from the need to impress other people and set free from the need to lie about who we are. Well, some of you listening, that'll chime with you because you know that you've been set free by, by coming to the truth about something. So may I encourage you and myself as well to live in that truth and to be free from the need to tell lies especially to the Holy Spirit of God. May God bless you, keep you, 
in Jesus' name. Amen.